Yes, we're recording. Red light's on. Testing, testing, one, two. I can hear myself. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Can you hear me? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello. Shake it. Hi, podcasters. I'm Lauren Keenan, and welcome to the final episode in this podcast series, Adventures in Renovating for Profit. And hi, I'm Scott Keenan, the co-pilot on this podcast, which is sponsored by Mortgage Choice in Neutral Bay. Well, this is our 12th and final episode in this season. Can you believe it, Scotty? It's been a great season. We've covered off so much from finding a property to planning, financing, budgeting, and working with trades and other experts. There's been a lot to get through. Well, and we packed a lot in. I we- feel tired just hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> but we've learned a lot along the way as well ourselves. And so we thought in this last episode, it'd be a great idea to think about what we've learned, to talk about it and to recap on you know our top tips, the top tips from our experts and to go through the questions that you guys have had for us as well. We've had lots of great uh, feedback and questions, which is just fantastic because it means our audience is really getting involved and, and wants to uh, get our tips on these different topics. So I think we're going to go to the mailbag shortly and answer those questions, but a few other things first. A lot has been written and said about property lately, especially in Sydney and Melbourne. You know, we've been working on this idea for this series for probably 18 months or two years from back when we started our renovation project on the you know, sort of south of Wollongong. And so we've been thinking about this for a long time and then working on it during that period. And what's actually changed in the property market over that time? And I feel like it's actually quite confusing because whenever you do turn, turn the nightly news on, it seems to be a different story every day. And it's either, you know, it's a great time to get in or it's too tough to get a loan. It's, it's really hard to discern truth from just a bit of a beat up at this point. We've talked about it a lot and the experts that we've spoken to have raised that issue as well. And I think what that really comes down to is when you're making your decision about whether you want to do a project like this, you've just got to work out whether it's right for you and whether the local market could benefit from a renovated property like the one that you're looking at. Get all your thoughts together and actually make an informed choice about whether or not it's the right time for you to do a project like this. People are still doing these renovation for profit projects, whether it's renovating to rent or renovating renovating to flip. And there's been a couple of examples in the press over the last couple of weeks that I just thought were worth reflecting on. One in Willoughby in the northern suburbs of Sydney. In case people aren't familiar with Willoughby, it's a a lovely suburb, very leafy leafy and green, quite affluent. And properties at the higher end, you know, mid mid to higher end of the market for sure. And then there was another example. um, Both of these were on realestate.com.au. This second example, which was in the suburb of Cambridge Park, which is near Penrith in the western suburbs of Sydney a much less expensive property, sort of around 500 grand. It was, and, and just looking at the pictures, um, which we might include the links to these articles in our show notes, before pictures for this property were um, Horrendous. quite abysmal. Like a lot of people probably just would have knocked it down, but uh, these guys have done an awesome job. Yeah, so two couples both buying a property, um, one at the bottom end of the market and one probably nearing the top, the top of the market. Yeah. Um, 2.25 million, I think they bought the more expensive property for. Correct, compared to this other property in Western Sydney at less than half a million dollars. The proof is in the pudding here where you've got this um, property where this clearly been a lot of money spent turning it into a sort of a Hampton-style property in Willoughby. You would think there'd be a market for it uh, and that there'd be an interest in a property like this. It got passed in at auction. Well, I don't know if that's perhaps because at that top end of the market, you know, there certainly are willing, there are people willing to pay a lot for a beautiful house like this, but I think it's a smaller pool of people. Well, look at the market, how it's changed. There's now a lot more first-home buyers uh, in the market. Uh, a lot of investors have, have fled the market and, and aren't there and, and as active as they have 
been. Mm. And I think it, it changes the profile of, yeah, who's, who's out there buying these properties and what are they looking for? And the, the property in Cambridge Park in Western Sydney, I think, would be perfect for a young family or first home buyers. And what did it sell for? So they bought it for four ninety, and, and it went for seven twenty five. Yeah, that's an amazing result. I mean, I'm not sure how much they spent on it. It looks like they've spent a little bit, but they haven't gone crazy. But yeah, that's a great result. A lot of the effort looks like it was on internal walls and the big ticket items, the bathrooms and the kitchens. They look like, I mean, it looks like a Bunnings kitchen. It looks basic, but it looks very nice. And what month was this article from? Just so we can get a bit of context. December twenty twenty eighteen. No, it's still still a possibility. And that's just two anecdotal examples. Uh, one at the top end, one at the bottom end. The one at the bottom end is sold and probably indicates that that's where there's more opportunity for projects like this. But you've got to work out what's right for you, your personal financial circumstances, and you've got to talk to the experts to work out, can I do this and is there a market? So before we get to the mailbag, we want to share with you our five top tips that we've pulled together from all the excellent information that we've imparted with you across this series. Yeah, from all the episodes that we've done, we really wanted to recount today our top five tips, the things that we think are most important at a high level for you to consider when you're doing your next renovation for profit project. And first, Lauren? In no particular order, I must say, because they're all as important as one another. I would almost rank this one up there as most important, and that's making (laughs) sure whether you're going to rent or or flip from the start. Yeah, super important because it's going to affect so many things. It's going to affect how much you spend on the renovation, what sort of finishes you use, where you where you buy and how much you spend on the property. It's what type of loan you really, might get. It's the linchpin, I think, of, of the whole project. So knowing whether you're going to uh, renovate and rent or renovate and sell. Make that decision first up. And stick to it, I think, as well. Don't flip-flop halfway through. <laughs> that's flip, exactly flip-flop right. flip on the flipping, get it? <laughs> Okay, that's key. Second? Our second tip is don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. So what do we mean by this, Scotty? Well, we reveled in it and it was... Literally. Rolling up the sleeves, doing some work and enjoying the the, the challenge of transforming uh, an ugly duckling into a beautiful princess. Because I think even if it's, you know, even if you're buying this property and doing the project purely for, um, you know, financial purposes, you still want to enjoy the process and it's still an experience and, and you should really get in there and enjoy it. And that means getting your hands dirty. That's right. And it's also a great way to save money in the course of the project. And there might be some jobs that it actually pays to get an expert in because they're going to be able to do it better and faster, and faster than what you can. But there are probably going to be jobs that, particularly around preparation for those um, trades or experts to come in, whether it's demo or cleaning painting and other types of preparatory type jobs, you can actually um, have an impact on cost by doing that yourself. Yeah, it can have a huge impact on cost. And it's fun. I mean, we, we did oh, landscaping. Yeah. I, I love painting um, window sills and skirt, <laughs> skirting boards are actually my favourite. Yeah, lying down on the floor and yeah. getting those done. Cleaning was... Uh, we probably shouldn't That's go there again. It was. No, we've covered that off enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but there is value in doing that, so um, yeah, so bear that in mind. And so moving on to number three, our third tip is be meticulous with your budget and your planning. So if you can really put a lot of effort into that research and planning from the beginning, you, you're going to reap the benefits as you go through the process. And tracking your budget as you go when you when you do spend money, make sure you track how much you're spending so that you know whether you're in uh, you know a, a positive or negative position on a particular part of the job that you're doing. And it needn't be difficult or overly complicated. I know we have a, a 
question coming up about this in the mailbag. So we're going to definitely be talking about that a little bit more as we go along. We covered off a lot of that stuff in the episode, How to Build a Budget for Renovation Success. So if you're just catching up with all of this now, you can go back and have a listen to that episode after this and pick up on our top tips for budgeting and for planning. And so what's tip number four, Scotty? This is probably my second favorite after the uh, the first one, and that's asking for help. And I reckon it could just be the smartest thing that you do because help comes in so many different forms. Yeah, it might not necessarily be just help at the project on a particular day. No, it, it might. could be mum cooking dinner that night because you've been painting all day. or Absolutely right. As well, asking for help from the right trades and the right experts who can help you through the project and the process. Don't always slug it out yourself and think that when times get tough, the tough get going. Yeah, okay, that does apply sometimes. But if you're having difficulties, um, just ask. Ask for help, and people will be prepared, you know, to give that help to you, whether it is family or friends. But it might also be, you know, you're really stuck on budgeting and uh, you think you've made a real error, and it might be ringing up your accountant and saying, "Mate, can you give what me you an hour of your time this? and can you help me with yeah. this?" Often they'll be more than happy to help you, and it's getting over the hump of whatever that issue is that'll set you back on the path. You'll feel like that asking for help was the smartest thing you did. So the fifth and final tip here, Scott, is probably my favorite behind number one, whether you're going to rent or flip, and that is working with the right people. You're definitely going to be getting your hands dirty in a project like this, but you're also going to be relying a lot on other people to complete different, more complicated jobs for you. We had a whole episode about planning for success, and we did talk quite a bit in there about how to choose the right people making sure that you get some quotes from different tradespeople. Do they answer the phone? Do they return emails? Things like that. I, I really believe it makes a difference if you've got someone on board the project that you can trust, that you feel comfortable with, and that you have a good rapport with. 95% of the trades that we used on our project, we had a fantastic experience with. I think there was maybe one, one or two that were maybe not quite up to scratch. And it did make a huge difference, um, those, those people not quite living up there into the bargain. So, you know, make sure you work with the right people. And as well as working out whether you've got a good rapport with them, recommendations was probably one of our key tactics for finding the right people. If you can find someone that somebody else you know trusts and that they've worked with and that they've had good results from, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a great experience for you too. Yeah, exactly. So that's our five tips, but we've also spoken to a few experts throughout the series and heard little bits of gold along the way from each of them, and I thought it would be great to recap their top tips from the course of this series. And first up, we've got the Bondi builder, Marshall Keane, talking about how important it is to make smart design decisions when you're planning your project. If you purchase the wrong property where money has already been spent in certain areas of, of the home, which is reflective in the, the sale price, and then you're going and demolishing that section of the house, you're spending money on something that you shouldn't be destroying. Look at all the areas where you're going to be spending money and don't be doubling up. If there's already a, a brand new kitchen in the house that you love, work your design around maintaining that kitchen as it is. Don't go pulling things out and reinstating them and spending money twice. Some great advice there from Marshall Keane, who's got many years experience as a builder. And our next expert was Daniel Acox from the agency in Bondi. And one of the top tips from Daniel was how to build a relationship with your local real estate agent to get access to properties that might not be advertised. There's a high proliferation of off-market sales. Off-market sales are those sales that don't hit the realestate.com, don't hit domain.com. Agents have them in their, what we call the bottom drawer, and are 
prepared to sell them if they get the right price. For the team that I manage, last year we sold 40% of our properties off market. 40%? 40%. Wow. So therefore, if you're just relying on realestate.com and domain, you potentially miss out on 40% of the stock. So you know, doing your online research and having a look at what is, is being marketed out there is only part of the story. That is part of the story. So that's again... And it's coming... an important part of the story that helps you, I guess, get a sense for what you want. Mm. But there's another part to the equation here where you've got to go and meet people. Yep got to go and speed date a bunch of real estate agents, get to know them, find the ones you like, and develop relationships with them. Exactly right. I was really surprised when he told me that 40% of properties are sold off market and aren't advertised. And like he says, do your research on domain and realestate.com.au to work out what's out there, but then talk to your agent and see what else they they might have in their bottom drawer. And then lastly, from our experts, Stephen Lem, a mortgage broker of 30 plus years here in Sydney, our good friend. And our sponsor the podcast of this yes. series. Yes, and one of his top tips was to shop around because, as he says here, the big four banks have more than 80% market share for mortgages in Australia, which I was, I actually was a bit surprised at that. I didn't think those figures would be quite that high, but what he says is that the smaller guys are starting to um, gain market share, and they're managing that because they've got good deals and they are competitive with the big banks. So it is worth shopping around. And Stephen, rather than a tip here, has this great story about why it's important to shop around. Let's take a listen. I had a customer in here yesterday and, and I'd been to the bank and, and asked for what we call a rate review, which we do a lot. Now I did my rate review and I came back to the client and I won't tell you the bank, but I'll tell you what the rate they were given. It was 3.97% variable under a packaged loan principal interest. For an owner-occupied? Owner-occupied place. Not bad. They've been there 20 years. It's a million-dollar loan. I said to the client, he's not happy. I said, well, why don't we come in and have a chat and we'll ring the bank together and we'll say that we're going to look at, you know, we want want them to retain your business. So we rang the bank together yesterday at 9 o'clock and lo and behold, the rate wasn't bettered and we were gobsmacked. Wow. To say, well, you know, I've been here 20 years. It's a million-dollar loan. It's not a small loan. Yeah. And as you know, it's easier to retain clients than it is to get them. It costs you three times as more in cost to, to get a client to a bank than it is to retain them. Now, if that client had gone from that bank and comes back, they'll treat him as a new customer, yep. and I'll get him 3.72. Wow. Nearly quarter percent difference in rate, but they wouldn't want to keep him. So they've now lost that client. We're going to another lender as of today. One of the smaller lenders? Yeah. Just shows you the power of the almighty dollar. Another good reason to shop around when you are looking for finance for your next renovation for profit project. Because we all know that finding the money for a new home or even a renovation can be tough. And there are so many lenders and products out there. Yeah, just like when you're looking for a good tradie or an interior stylist, it always helps to get a recommendation from someone that you trust. And someone we trust is Stephen Lem and the team at Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay in Northern Sydney. We've worked with them for years. They helped us into our first home with a great Great deal that was right for us. And Stephen's looked after us ever since. So if you're looking for someone that you can trust to find the right home loan for you, we can recommend Stephen to look after you too. Just search Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay. So if you've got any questions about finance, Stephen would be a great place to start. But we've had plenty of questions coming in about a whole range of topics throughout the course of this series. And we're going to answer a few of them here today in our mailbag segment here on the podcast. It's like the 60 Minutes mailbag, isn't it? 
Well, um, should we get started with our listener questions? Yeah, our first one is from Kate in Nowra on the New South Wales South Coast, and she contacted Lauren through a message on Instagram. Your Instagram is? She is at Lauren Keenan Home, and Kate says, My husband and I have been thinking about taking the plunge and buying an investment property to rent out for a while now, but we can't decide if we should buy something cheaper that needs a bit of work or if we should just buy a place that's already a good to go. What do you think is better? Now, this would be a question that a lot of people would be asking themselves if they are looking to invest in property and this series has been about renovating for profit whether you do renovate and go down the path we did or whether you just buy something that's ready made and ready to go that you can put a tenant in that's right and I think there's a lot of different things that Kate and her husband need to consider when they make this decision about which path they go down firstly um, my advice to anyone looking to buy an, an investment property would be to have a chat with your financial advisor and your mortgage broker I think they should be definitely your first port of call in deciding if purchasing an investment property is actually the right decision for you. And then if the finances all check out, I guess they really should be having a chat with one another about, well, what are we prepared to do here? Are we are we going to roll our sleeves up and do the hard work? Are well, we making sure they're on the same page too, because when you do something as a couple, you need to make sure that you both have the same expectations. On the, and the same desire to want to do it. Yeah, because it can't be on one more than the other. No, and if one wants to do it and the other resents it through the process, it's, it's not going to be any good. So when I saw Kate's question come through, I was sort of started thinking about, well, what are the sorts of questions that Kate and her husband should be asking themselves? One of the first ones is, what are the reasons that they want to do this project? Is it purely financial or is it for the experience as well? Would they be planning to buy close to home or far away? Because as we've discussed, when you buy a property that's a little bit further away, you also have um, this challenge of the, the travel to go and do the work as well. So that's definitely a question to ask themselves. Do they have the time and or the skills to devote to doing a renovation and bringing a property to life? Yeah, whilst working full time or could they potentially take time off? You know, exactly. if they've got some long service owing, that could be a, a time to do a project like this. Absolutely. And that, that would be the next question. You know, how flexible is your job? How What relationship do you have with your boss to take some time off or to have a little bit of flexibility around your working arrangements? The next question that I think Kate and her husband should ask themselves is what type of property can their budget buy them? Maybe their budget can really only buy them a dump that needs a lot of work or maybe they've got a little bit more cash to spend and they can buy something that requires less of their time. Because you don't have to spend the earth to renovate a property that you buy reasonably cheaply. You know, we've talked about um, us spending about 10% of the value of the property, maybe a bit less actually, and it can be profitable compared to buying something that is newer or that is uh, off the plan or that is in great condition. But again, it comes down to doing your research. Once you know how much money you've got to play with, what can you get for that amount of money? And one other thing is, do Kate and her husband actually like working on projects together? Because it's a big commitment as a couple to take on a project like this. And you actually have to enjoy working together and get along doing those kinds of home improvement jobs. And if they don't, then the then answer is probably no. Probably look for another kind of investment. Yeah. Or something passive where you are just buying it and putting tenants in there. All right, Kate, hopefully that helps you and hubby think about some of the questions that you guys need to have a chat about before you start going down this path. Now, the next question is from Mike in Queensland. 
and he sent us an email. Thanks for listening, Mike. He says, I'm almost through renovating a house that I'm going to flip, and Mike's a first-time flipper, but he says, unfortunately, he's had some unforeseen costs which he didn't allow for in a contingency, so he's really eaten into the money that he budgeted for styling for sale. Now, Lauren, he's asking whether you've got any suggestions on how to get the most bang for your buck when it comes to making the house look good after you've finished the renovation. Oh, Mike, that all sounds a bit stressful, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, not good. You know, and there'll always be unforeseen costs and I guess you can only build your contingency as, as best you, you think you, you might need it. But I wonder what's happened. Obviously, something's come up. Yeah. Just remember that it's it's all a learning curve and you've probably worked out by now that it is how you roll with the punches and make the best of these situations when they come up. But my advice as a fellow renovator and a stylist would be firstly to have a chat with your real estate agent because they can give you a really clear understanding of the spaces that are going to be of most value um, and importance to the buyers in your market so they can help you focus your funds on those particular That's areas. That's a good idea. Buyers in the suburb where Mike's bought um, might be more interested in kitchens. Put a bit more effort there. We're talking about styling here, obviously. Yes. It's really easy to style a kitchen or a bathroom doesn't take much but if it's the bedrooms that are a wow factor then maybe you're going to have to buy a few more things so have a chat with the real estate agent in the first instance well he hasn't said how big the property is though but uh, can you give some suggestions about what the key areas might be to dress the property where he should focus the key areas should we guess it's a you know sort of a three or four bedroom house let's let's assume that then so the key areas that i think are really important would be um, the main living room yep that is where most people will be spending the majority of their time. So it's really important to have that dressed, especially with, say, a sofa and a coffee table and a TV unit, really just to show the scale of furniture that can fit into the space. So if a potential buyer walks in and you've got a massive sofa in there and their sofa is a bit smaller than that, then that makes them feel comfortable that their furniture will fit. It's going to work. Yep. But if it's empty, some people don't have the visual skills to know, you know, how their pieces are going to work in that space. So it's really important to dress at least the main living room and the master bedroom. And then where's he going to get this stuff from? I assume he hasn't got all of this already himself just sort of sitting there. So what are your recommendations for sourcing stuff to style the property for, particularly those rooms? Well, I think you need to keep an open mind on this probably Mike, I would still get some quotes from a couple of furniture hire companies, um, which if you just Google styling uh, for sale, styling for sale perhaps, I don't know if you're in Brisbane or another part of Queensland, but definitely do a Google search. For the larger items like a sofa and a bed, you might also be able to find some pieces on places like Gumtree. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. There might be some things that are affordable and in good nick. Depending on where this property is, it might be on the market for a little while or it might be really quick sale. So if you can pick up a few things that you're not necessarily locked into a contract with a higher place that's for a few weeks, then you know, you've know you bought it, you've outlaid the money and it's you've got it for however long you need it. You could also potentially look at borrowing items from family and friends for a few weeks. A bed is a good one because then you only have to pay to... Um, to, to dress it. To dress it. That's right. So speaking of accessories, would you like my advice on that as well? Yeah. Um, so Shoot. I think in terms of accessories, Mike, less is going to be more for you. So if you're really out of stretch, I'd just go for one statement piece in each room. So for the living room, I'd probably look for some big oversized artwork and you can find those relatively cheaply from places like Fantastic Furniture or Freedom. Mm -hmm. It's just something to give a sense of of a little bit of grandeur in the room or maybe just a couple of amazing cushions and keep everything else quite 
simple in the space. But it, it will need a little bit of wow factor, right? If you underdress and understyle, it might sort of bore people into walking out the door. Yeah, and what I think we should remember is just because you've got a limited budget to style it for sale doesn't mean you have to be boring. Like you can pick a few pieces that make a bit of impact and have a make a statement to potential buyers. You don't need to keep everything beige just because you don't have a lot of money. This is This is people's first impression when they walk into your property. What about things like bedding? Bedding, I would just stick with plain white because you can pick that up quite easily, um, quite affordably at places like Adairs or even Target or Kmart. Just pick something quite simple. And like I said, you might just dress the master and maybe one other bedroom mm-hmm. to give the buyer a taste of how it comes together. So not every room has to be fully styled and dressed. Well, if Mike doesn't have the budget for it, no, you might not do that. But um, if you're going to bother, you should do it well in the one or two rooms you're going to do. Do it well. Do. Stick yeah. with some nice plain white bedding and make sure you've got good pillows. Good pillows can really make a bed, get new pillows. Don't drag some pillows out from a cupboard mm-hmm. somewhere. And maybe just one really nice cushion on the bed or a throw on the end in a colour just to bring the photos to life. And then what about kitchens and bathrooms? Because he's probably already done a lot of the hard work with the, the hard surfaces yep. and the you know the beautiful finishes, hopefully. But yep. how do you dress? And that's the beauty of kitchens and bathrooms. When you're styling for sale, it it doesn't take a lot of money or a lot of time to make them look really great. So it sounds cliched, but a big, really big bowl of just one type of fruit can make a kitchen look quite expensive. Um, So that might be a massive big bowl of lemons or some limes, probably not limes. Limes are quite expensive right now, actually. (laughs) Lemons or some apples, but just one type of fruit. What about just a giant watermelon in a bowl? Then no, you've only got to buy one. No, we need we need multiple, right. but just of the same thing. <laughs> and when you combine that with a few nice timber chopping boards mm-hmm. stacked up along the, the splashback, it can look really quite luxe and expensive. doesn't take a lot. Bathroom? I just add a few really nice luxury soaps and maybe some towels in a, in a colour that complements the tile choice of the bathroom. So again, you're having photos taken. You don't want it to look too, too bland. Pick a nice colour that uh, complements the tiles. All of these things will cost money and Lauren's given some good examples for how you can save money during the course of styling a property like this for sale. But it's important to think about these pieces as a cost to the project in total and if well, they can help you achieve to help you achieve your end goal, which is a profitable sale of the property. And so whilst it might feel like you're wasting money styling the property, no, it's it's helping you make the property look as best as it can for the best sale price. Exactly. And the last question today comes from Lara in southern Sydney and she's asking you, Lauren, when we did our renovation, how meticulous were you with keeping receipts and recording your expenses? I would say I was pretty meticulous, Lara. Um, and look... It, Good old bookkeeping Lauren here. Well, it's not me, is it really? Because I, I get distracted by shiny, pretty things. And that's why <laughs> I'm a stylist and, and pick out beautiful things for people's homes. So I won't lie, it did feel like a chore at the time. But mm. in hindsight, I am really glad that we kept on top of it. By the end, we pretty much knew down to the cent how much the renovation cost us. That's quite an achievement because you make so many trips to places like Bunnings or Flower Power and places like that. And as Mike said, stuff can go wrong. Costs can blow out and you need to keep track of those costs even if they weren't originally budgeted. It was really great to for us to keep on top of that. I literally kept it simple. I carried around this daggy clear plastic um, folder that I put all the receipts in as I spent money. Every couple of days, I would input those um, costs into the spreadsheet, which we have talked about before in our budgeting um, episode. 
Some of the trades also email through invoices, so I would input those as well. I know some people use a little bit more sophisticated apps and there's different software that you can use to record things like that, but I just wanted to keep it simple. And the proof is in the pudding. The project was finished on time and on budget. Correct. We achieved a great result and a lot of that was down to planning, which we did in the first stages, and then tracking against that plan with this budget. So yeah, I'd endorse what you're saying. Um, You can't afford not to do it, I don't think. Literally, you can't afford not to do it. Agree. So Lara, on your next project, be meticulous, keep receipts, record your expenses, and you will succeed. So thanks, guys, for those questions, and we had many more that we couldn't get to. We really appreciate you uh, emailing and messaging Lauren through Instagram at Lauren Keenan Home with those questions, and hopefully those uh, answers help you in your project and the work you do. I've been trying to get back to people individually with their renovation questions as well, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. (laughs) Nice one. And before we finish, a quick reminder that the information in this podcast series, Adventures in Renovating for Profit, is general information only for personal financial advice that's specific to you and to your circumstances, we would urge you to consult with your own registered professionals, banks or mortgage brokers, accountants or financial planners before you make any decisions about your own financial plans or investments. And if you need help with your own renovation for profit project, or you'd like some advice about buying furniture and homewares and styling interiors at home, then get in touch with me via email. It's lauren at laurenkeenan.com.au or on the socials at Lauren Keenan Home on Instagram. We've had thousands of people listening to this podcast series and if you've enjoyed it, make sure to share it with your family and friends so that they can hear it too and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and make sure to subscribe while you're there too. Don't miss an episode. Why? Well, we're planning a new batch of episodes as we speak, a series of interviews with some really interesting people from the property, interiors and design world. This is including the owner of Zakia Homewares. So Zakia is an Australian homewares brand doing some beautiful things out there at the moment. And we've also got an extended chat with the Bondi builder Marshall Keane about what inspires his approach to design and whether we might see him on our telly screens again soon. Yeah, he was on Buying Blind, the builder on there in 2018. Yeah, he was so good on there and we hope we see him on telly again soon. Top fella. So shout out to Marshall and, um, and thanks for being part of our Renovating for Profit series this year. It's another big year ahead for Lauren and her business too. We've got some changes coming in the new year, which we'll be back to talk to you about in early 2019. Keep an eye on the socials um, in the new year, in January 2019. Things start to filter through. I don't want to give too much away just yet, but I'm really excited. Good stuff. And a few thank yous. We've got to thank Sideshow Mike for the awesome production that we have on this podcast, which helps make our show sound so great. We've got to thank our guests too over the course of this series, Daniel Acox, Marshall Keane and Stephen Lem. And thanks, of course, to Stephen and Jackie and the team at Mortgage Choice Mutual Bay for sponsoring this podcast series. And most of all, thanks to you for yeah, listening. Listening every week. That's right. We hope you've learned a lot and we wish you every success in your own adventures in renovating for profit. We've had a lot of fun bringing these episodes to you all over the past six months or so. And we're really looking forward to what we've got to share with you next year. All the best and keep listening for the next episode of this podcast. Yeah.